You're listening to a Sales Culture Toddcast with Todd Cohen. You've heard me say that people are our currency and our culture, right? That's really our differentiator. And not only has that not changed, but that is going to be escalating considerably for every kind of business out there. You know, as the landscape changes, whatever that landscape is going to be, right, whatever business you're in, I believe passionately that the best and only way we're going to be able to compete, I shouldn't say the only way, but the most reliable way we're going to compete is not, right, by cutting the price or cutting our margins or doing things that really decrement the business, but it's about improving and engaging with our people in a way that really has them understanding how they're all in sales. Now, that's a familiar refrained all of us. Okay. So what I want to do is start this year by having an honest discussion about what we're doing to set people up for success. This is about looking forward and making sure that our currency, everything that we're doing and we're doing everything to make sure that people are set up for success. Listen, you know, it's one thing to find the greatest candidate in the world and make that hiring decision. And because, you know, during the hiring process, you're really interviewing each other. You're really, you know, you're really looking at each other strongly and you're saying, is this the right match for us? And what I want to encourage, and I want you to write this down if you would, that good hire, and, and let me, again, I'm just going to say this and you can sort of write this down any way you hear this. Good hiring practices mean more than a good interview, right? It really does require us to think a little bit harder and a little bit more deeply into, is this person actually going to be a fit or a match for our culture? And another way to say that is, is this person going to be a fit or a match for where we're headed? And where are we headed in 2021? Well, you know, I can't answer that question in depth. I would leave that absolutely to Roy and Dave and the senior leadership of the organization and really everybody on this call. I would say, though, that if the intention is to grow the business, and I don't know anybody who wakes up and says, no, I hope we shrink this year. If the intention is to grow the business, we do that through adding phenomenal people. And really what we do after that person starts on day one becomes more and more and more important. Every time somebody leaves an organization and someone says to me or I get into the conversation, they say, why do you think they left? And, I, and my, my first response is, well, what, what didn't happen? What did happen? And why do you think they left? What wasn't there for them to feel like they're succeeding? Was there something missing where they felt like they couldn't succeed? Was there something we did that they just didn't grasp? Did we have a disconnect in terms of their understanding of the role and our understanding of what we needed from them. These are all sorts of questions that I really want to encourage us this year in 2021 to, so that we can elevate our thinking about making sure that we hire people, we hire good people, and we retain them. And oh, by the way, all the things I'm going to share with you this morning, and folks, this is a very high view of setting people up for success. All the things I'm going to share with you this morning are all, every single one of them, we could have more in-depth conversations. So today is about giving you some high-level things to think about because you're all in a position this year to be thinking about our, about thinking differently about 
how we're going to bring people into our culture. And we're all doing that. So you've heard me say this, people are your currency. That isn't going to change. I believe passionately. And I, I see this every day. This is only going to accelerate. Look, we're not going to achieve the growth that we want by cutting our way to profitability. And I'm not suggesting that's even on the table. Let's look at building the culture so that the people we're bringing on board, right, they are actually currency and currency that when we invest in them, right, by a good onboarding program, by that first 90 days, things you're going to hear about momentarily, that, that currency begins to, to um, increase in value. You know, you've all heard the expression, we're only as good as our weakest link. I believe that to be true. We are only as good as the weakest link in our organizations. Now, this isn't about calling people out, and I absolutely don't want to encourage that. What I do want you all to think about right now, you know, you take a deep breath and you step back and you think, in my organization, right, where are people? Where are people in terms of their confidence? Where are people in terms of their competence, and where are people in terms of feeling like they're part of the culture, they're part of the branch, they're not in that silo? So I'd like you to write these three things down, if you would, please. Competence, confidence, and cultural fit. Competence, confidence, and cultural fit. These are the things that matter, and they matter deeply in terms of our ability to make and to hold on to retain and grow our best assets. You know, I've always said somewhat kiddingly, and although I, as time goes on, I've begun to think there's more and more truth to this. Way back when in the dark ages, when I first started managing people back in the late 80s and the early 90s, we used to laugh. We would say, hire slow, fire fast, right? Take your time hiring. And I used to have what I called the day four rule. And it used to be this didn't exist. What I'm finding now is this is more prevalent. And folks, I've been talking, as I said, to all kinds of organizations, not only your member, your fellow AED member colleagues, but organizations across the spectrum. And I laughingly, but sadly, have coined what I call the day four rule, right? Which means somebody may show up on day one, day two, day three. That's great. I don't take it for granted. I'm not sure that we have them until they show up for day four. Because in those first one, two, and three days, what we do either prevents or creates buyer's remorse. And I want you to think about that for a second. Because Hiring somebody and extending that offer letter and getting them to agree and having that first day, sadly, what I've seen is that doesn't mean as much as it used to. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody here has been ghosted. It's happening at an increasing rate. So what we want to do, folks, is we want to make sure that we're preventing buyer's remorse. And by buyer's remorse, I mean that goes both ways, right? I mean, that is absolutely bi-directional. We want to make sure that we've made a good decision. And oh, by the way, we want to make sure that the person we're bringing in has also made a good decision. So write this down. Those first three days arguably are the most critical. I still remember to this day, Three years ago, I had a long conversation with my wife, who actually it's about five years ago now, who started a new job. And she came home at the end of day two and said to me, I made a huge mistake. And I disregarded it, which was 
didn't bode well for us. And I didn't blow it off, but I thought, oh, you're just not giving it a chance. And you know what? People pick up and sense immediately whether they've made a good decision or not. So the commentary here, friends, is not that ECA is or is not a good place to work. It obviously is, and we're making it better every day. What I am here to say is that let's not assume under any circumstances that they're in the same place we are, right? We have got to sell their decision as much as they have to sell our decision. It has to go both ways. We know something that is absolutely incontrovertible. It's expensive to lose people. It's expensive to find people. And it's expensive to have open positions. I could ask any of the people tasked with direct sales, because we're all in sales. We know that. So, But I could ask any of the branch managers, what's the cost to you of having an open territory, a parts leader? What's the cost to you of not having somebody? We know the answer to that. It's significant. Because at the end of the day, having an open territory, have an, opening, have an open job, or having somebody that didn't succeed in their position has a downstream effect on the customer saying, yes, it actually will delay the decision. So, you know, any delay we have, any delay that we have in getting people up to speed and keeping them at whatever we determine as peak performance that has a direct impact on a decrease in profits. It serves nobody any good to hire a new salesperson and have them spend two years getting up to speed. Again, this is not an ECA comment. This is a general comment. It is in all of our best interests, folks, to make sure that when we bring people in, we're doing everything we can to make sure they're up to speed. And let's talk about a moment of self-interest, self-preservation. The quicker you can get your new people up to speed means the quicker you can get back to going back to what you need to do every day. Remember what we talked about in coaching. Your job is not to do their job. Your job is to help make them successful at their job so you can go back and do what it is that you have to do. So getting, setting up and getting people up to speed, setting people up to succeed it really means that we have to do what we've always been doing, do what I've been advocating to you since day one, last June, when we began our journey together, and that's making sure that we have that proactive mindset. The lesson I learned the hard way, and then it became much more uh, natural to who I was as a people leader years ago, again, in the dark ages, that my number one priority with a new person had to be that person. Because if that person was successful, that made my job more successful. That made my job easier. So let's be clear. There is a joint responsibility here. Let's be clear this isn't all on us. Let's be clear that you are not 100% responsible for the new person or even existing people to be the best they can be. Sorry, I'm taking the Army. I think it's the Army quote, but uh, be the best you can be. So you know, there is absolutely a joint responsibility. Please write that down. There is a joint responsibility between management, leadership, everybody on this call, and of course, who, whoever that new employee is. So here's a couple of quotes that I've done some research, or I should say, I've been going back and researching the couple of weeks to find the most current independent thinking on this topic that I could find. And there are three quotes here 
that I think say it all. Number one, recent research by Bamboo HR, a software company, found that 31% of people have quit a job within the first six months. This doesn't bode well for our company. I'm putting my own words on that. So you're starting to see, if you're, if you're catching this a little bit, you're starting to see that we're really all hands, excuse me, all fingers eventually point back to our onboarding processes. The second quote that I found uh, ex exceptionally interesting, this came from Glassdoor, which, you know, I kind of take with a grain of salt. I don't know if anybody's ever looked at glassdoor.com, but it's an interesting site because people can post their experiences of working with a company, and it really is independently driven. They also have a pretty good research staff there that takes a look at employment trends, hiring trends, firing trends, success trends. One essential key to be achieving better retention, and remember what we said, retention equals profits, folks. You know, keeping people means you're more profitable. One, one essential key to achieving, achieving better retention, according to specific onboarding statistics, uh, Glassdoor found that a strong onboarding process can improve new hire retention by 82%. So you can take that with a grain of salt or you can take it literally. Even if it's lower, anything above zero matters and increase productivity by over 70%. There's no question <laughs> that when people come into an organization and they immediately feel bound to that organization. Now, Gallup, we all know who Gallup is, so I think they're pretty reputable. They do research across so many spectrums now. It used to be just, you know, they were the TV people with Nielsen. Now they do a ton of different things. Gallup found that only 12% of their employees think their company did a good job of onboarding. 12%. And now we wonder why people may not be showing up on day four. With the cost of replacing, this is the one that really jumped out at me, and with the cost of replacing an employee ringing in somewhere between 90 and 200% of their annual salary. Now, they take into effect the, the, the soft dollar costs, obviously, of losing somebody, having an open territory, an open job, more people doing more work, the exhaustion factor. And oh, by the way, there's the cost of recruiting. If you're using a headhunting agency, it all boils in. Now, think about the salaries, what you're paying people, and multiply that, or at least double it. And think about that is potentially the cost to the company of having a bad hiring decision or a hiring decision that doesn't work out. So one of my favorite authors, Michael Watkins, who's been doing work specifically in onboarding and new employee retention, existing employee retention for about a gazillion years. He probably wouldn't hear, probably wouldn't like me saying that. He says very clearly, and I believe him because I've seen this every single day, every single day of my professional career. Those first 90 days are make or break, not only for us as an organization, but for the company as well. Those first 90 days really, really matter. So why don't employees, why don't new employees succeed? Now, listen, as I'm going to go through these folks, I also want to share with you that you should at the same time concurrently be thinking about your current organization, your current staff. I want you to be thinking about, do any of my current people fall into these areas? 
that is not a license to go and say, okay, you're out of here. It is a license to do what hopefully I've been encouraging you to do, which is adopt the role of that coach and do what we can do to help make them better, more productive, and frankly, retain them. Number one, employees don't understand the role the role they're being hired for. You know, it's way more than what HR has written or has been written by sales or whomever as part of that job description. Understanding the role, please write this down, really understands, means understanding the intricacies of your organization, the culture, whatever the little nuances and the big nuances, folks, of your organizations. And frankly, sometimes we just don't do, and again, when I say we, I'm talking about the big we, organizations don't do a good enough job of explaining during the interview process what the expectations are. They're unprepared for the role. Well, you know what? Sometimes we make a decision, a bad hiring decision, or a decision that doesn't pan out, or we just don't see the whole picture of somebody. Happens all the time, folks. It's nobody's, I'm not going to say it's nobody's fault, uh, that, you know, this is why I say hire slowly and fire in the, I say fire fast. I would say fire a little more quickly. I think sometimes it takes organizations far too long to make a decision and it's really not fair to both parties. Number three, inefficient and short circuited onboarding. Now we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And as you've already picked up a common thread to all of this is what we're doing in those first 90 days. Remember the title of this presentation. It's about setting people up for success. People feeling isolated. Listen, this is a big one, especially in this time that we're in right now. Hiring somebody, finding a great hire, finding a phenomenal addition to the organization is one thing. Making sure that they have connectivity early on is something entirely different. It's really hard to bring somebody into an organization who's brand new to your culture, to the way you do things, to your the way you the way you manage, and then just expect them to be successful. This, by the way, has been one of the major failing points these last ten months, where research has shown why people are not succeeding in their jobs. In fact, there's been an enormous amount of scientific research and intellectual research and just, as I call it, street research into the new challenges of onboarding people during a pandemic. And the culture that some organizations build prevents developing relationships. In other words, it's siloed. We're not doing enough to help them understand where the right people are, the people on their, shall we say, virtual team. So how do we create new employee success? How do we make sure not only that our new employees, but our, and not but, and our existing people have everything they need to be successful? Because at the end of the day, folks, none of us want to spend more time hand-holding new people than doing what it is we should be doing, which is building and leading our organizations. That's what sucks the energy out of us. So what we do up front is just so critical. So I'm going to share with you some ideas, some thoughts, some topical points about what we can be doing to make sure people are successful. Now, let me say, we're only visiting together today for an hour. I could literally do an entire session on each one of these talking points. And over time, we will be spending time exploring these because this is the 
a fabric of the organization. I cannot express that passionately enough. Rolling out the welcome wagon, make official introductions. Every single person on this call, when you hire somebody, you should be setting up Zoom calls, formal introductions, email introductions. People need to know who you are and you want people to know who your new employee is. Your person is gonna be a representative and a salesperson for you. We can't expect them just to figure out who people are. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to figure this stuff out on, the, on your own. Number two, outline the essentials of success right off the bat. Don't make this something that somebody new has to kind of figure out or observe on their own. They need to know right away, up front, day one, again, onboarding, and we're going to get to that in a second, what the essentials are. And, we're, and that's, by the way, essentials vary from company to company, right? What are the essentials? What do they need to know? What should they be thinking? Who do they need to know? And oh, by the way, remember what I said a moment ago about understanding their role. It's really hard and it can be really deflating to try to figure this out in isolation. Number three, train, 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 and train some more. The worst thing you can do with a new person is leave them out there in isolation, tell them, figure it out, and don't train them. By the way, training doesn't just mean technical training. It means training in the organization. It means understanding what's right, wrong, and different about the industry. Training is both informal and formal. Training is both mentoring and coaching. This all comes full circle, folks. Remember, we've been talking about this now for a while. This all comes down to the fact that what we do early has long-term ramifications. Train, train, and train. Here's a question I would like to propose that everybody asks during the hiring cycle. What training do you like to see in an organization? What training would you want? You know, if we establish that early on, guess what? If it's something we can provide, then you can customize your onboarding program. And when they see that you've heard them and they're getting that training, guess what? Their ability, their desire to stick has just gone up. You've just increased the value of your currency. Ask them what they want. One of the best questions I ever heard when I was interviewing for a job way early on, again, in the dark ages, I had hair, I was thin, and there was no internet. That's how long ago this was. Someone said to me, what do you want to learn in this job? And I literally had to step back or stand up, whatever, and take a deep breath. And, and I thought to myself, no one's ever asked me that question before. Remember when we talked about coaching, we talked about recognition, and one of the questions I proposed that you ask is this, how do you like to be recognized? Folks, it boils down to this. The more you get their buy-in about your interest in their success, the more likely they are to show up on day four. To hear more exciting Toddcasts or to book Todd live for your event, please visit toddcohen.com slash book dash Todd. That's toddcohen.com slash book dash Todd or call 866-515-9445.